Galatians, the third chapter. Of course, we've got Easter coming up in what, two Sundays from now? And so next Sunday, I'll be talking about some things that lead up to the resurrection, you know. And then, of course, on Easter Sunday, uh, we'll be talking about the resurrection of Jesus and new life. And, you know, that's always a wonderful time. And so I want to encourage you to invite people to come to church. That, you know, people expect you to invite them to church on, there's two times in the year. What, what are they? Christmas and Easter. So invite them. And I promise you, I won't, you know, put them in condemnation for only coming to church twice a year. Okay. You know, that's no good when people only show up twice a year and then you throw a bucket of cold water on them when they do. No wonder they don't come any more than they do. Is that right? So just in, in, encourage them and get here whoever you can. All right. All right. Open to Galatians, the third chapter. Now, uh, last week we had a message. Uh, we had a message on what is sin? What is sin? You know, we talked about what is sin. And, uh, you know, we, uh, we observed that much of the church culture in the United States today does not know what sin is and that many of the leading pastors in this nation, now I'm not here to be critical, but, you know, when I see something that's being done that I think it could, could affect you negatively, I... I need to at least bring it out. I'm not judging the men. I'm just, we're always supposed to judge what people are speaking across a pulpit. You should judge what I'm speaking, not be judgmental, but judge to see if it's in line with the word of God. Is that, is that correct? Is that right or is that not? That, that's correct, isn't it? And so uh, many leading spiritual leaders in the nation are not calling sin what it is. And what is sin? It's, it's, it's breaking God's law. Is that right? And, and, and we ought to be calling sin what it is. It's sin, isn't it? And, and so many are calling it all sorts of things. Like alternative lifestyles or, well, it's not the best way to live. Or it's not really the way I would live. Rather than just saying that sin is sin. You, you understand? And, and flowering things up so that... You know, it, sin doesn't look like sin. And many of our nation's spiritual leaders have made the statement, we don't need to tell people they're sinners. They already know that. But we observed the main reason that God gave the law was to show people that they are sinners. Remember, we looked at that last week. And, uh, you know, many people think, uh, you know, many people think when God's law which are his rules and regulations are preached, it's a negative thing. And that it puts people under condemnation. But yet the Apostle Paul called the law a good thing. You know, it is good in that it shows us that we need help. Much like a mirror will show us we have a spaghetti stain on our face. Now, have you ever had a spaghetti stain on your face? With me, it's usually barbecue sauce. Now, the mirror, when, have you ever gone into a restaurant, restaurant you've had you know, a, something with barbecue sauce or a spaghetti stain, and then a little later you go into the restroom and you look in the mirror and you see that stain on your face? Has anybody ever done that besides me? 
or you see it on your shirt, don't you just hate it when you get it on your tie or a nice? Have you ever got a stain on something really nice? Don't you just hate that? But when you look in the mirror, what does that mirror do? That mirror tells you that you have a stain, right? Now, is the mirror evil? Is the mirror negative or bad? No, it just pointed out that there was something not as it should be. Is that correct? And, and, and can the mirror remove the stain? No, it just points out that it's there. Is that correct? And see, that's the same thing with the law. The, the, the law. The law isn't evil. See, a lot of people think it's negative, bad, but it isn't. It's, Paul said it was a good thing because the law is like a mirror. It, it shows us that we need help. It shows us that, that, that we're stained with sin and that we need help. Do you understand that? And uh, if you look at Galatians 3.24, you'll see that, that the law... See, when you look in a mirror and you see that you've got a spaghetti stain on your face or on your clothes, now, that mirror, can the mirror clean you up? No, but it can tell you that you need to do something to get cleaned up. Is that right? Well, similarly, the law, the, the Ten Commandments and the other laws of the, of the Bible show us that, that we need help, that we need some cleaning up. And notice what the law does. Notice Galatians 3.24. Therefore, the law was our tutor or our school teacher to bring us where? To who? To Christ that we might be justified by faith. See, that's what the law does. It's like a mirror. We look in the mirror. Oh, hey, we, we need some cleaning up. So the mirror leads us to the sink to get cleaned up, you see. Well, the law, we look at the law and we see that, you know, we're, we're dirty with sin. So what, what the law does, it brings us to Christ so that we can be cleaned up with his blood. Isn't that wonderful? Is that, is that good? And that we might be justified by what? By by faith. Now, notice Ephesians 2.8, because I'm leading to what I'm going to talk about here today. Ephesians 2.8. Notice this. Ephesians 2.8 says this. For by... Now, I need you to help me today. I need you to talk a little bit or help me read these. It just goes better for... It helps me if you, if you do that, okay? For by... By what? By... For by grace you've been saved through what? Through faith. Not of yourselves. It's the what? The gift of God, not of, now the next verse says, not of what? Works, lest anyone should boast. So what happens? We, we look into the law, we look at the Ten Commandments, we look at the Word of God, and we see some rules and regulations, and those are not there to condemn us, but they're there to show us that we need help, we need to be cleaned up. So the law brings us to Christ, and as we come to Him, we have faith in him, we believe on him with a repentant heart, you know, uh, repentance means to turn away from sin, we come to him with a repentant heart, we believe on Jesus, and then we tap into his grace, real loud say grace, grace. Yeah. we tap into his grace, and it's through faith, and as we tap into his grace, what is his grace? Well, let me just tell you, his grace is this, it's his unmerited, undeserved unearned favor. That's what grace is. It is his undeserved, unmerited, unearned favor. It is free. It doesn't cost us anything. It costs God everything. 
It cost Jesus his life. You understand that? It cost him his blood. But to us, you know, the grace of God, his unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, it's free to us. It's nothing that we can work for. It's a gift. Real loud say it's a gift. Yes, it's a gift, and a gift is free. Okay, And so we run into Jesus, we believe on him, we have faith in him, and then the grace of God goes into operation and his precious blood washes that sin that, that we have in our lives, washes it away. Isn't that wonderful? I think, I think that's wonderful. You know, soap and water can wash a spaghetti stain away, but only the blood of Jesus can wash sin away. And that blood of Jesus is tapped, or you tap into it, through the grace of God. So today, I said all that to give you the title of this message. I'm going to title this Greasy Grace. Greasy Grace. Now that's an unusual title. Say, so what do you mean, Pastor? What are you talking about? Greasy Grace? You see... I preached last week's message to get to this message here. When we live in a culture where influential pastors of television ministries and mega churches and writing all kinds of books, when we live in a culture where influential ministers and spiritual leaders are not defining sin properly, the foregone conclusion is that the message of grace will have to be ill-defined as well in order to coincide with their teaching or lack thereof on the subject of sin. So today I want to look at some ways that grace is being looked at that are what I, what I would call greasy, thus greasy grace. Now you and I know that grace, the grace of God is not greasy, it's holy and pure. Say amen. amen. But what I am saying is that if, if you don't, def, if, if, if leaders refuse to define sin properly, then the foregone conclusion is then we have to redefine grace and we have to grease it up and make it greasy in something that it really isn't in order to coincide with the ill teaching on sin. So I want to talk about greasy grace. Now, have you ever heard somebody say sloppy agape? Have you ever heard that? Anybody ever heard that? Do you know what agape is? Agape is the love of God, isn't it? But I've heard people say, well, is sloppy agape. Well, what is sloppy agape? Well, that is when you make the love of God something that it isn't. That's when you, you see, agape is a Greek word that means the unconditional love of God. And that's what God's love is. It's unconditional. But when you, when you make it anything other than that, you get Sloppe agape. It's kind of like this. Let's put it this way. Uh, you're talking to one of your brothers and sisters in Christ and you're just so nice and you're just so sweet and you're just so kind and just so flowery. But then when you get away from them, behind their back, you talk ugly and mean about them. Now, is that agape or is that sloppe agape? That's sloppe agape. And the Bible talks about, it talks about unfeigned love and, and, or sincere love. You know, you can have sincere love or you can have the sloppy kind. 
Now, I want the sincere. How about you? But if you don't have the sincere, then you'd have like sloppy agape, you know. And the Bible says the same thing about faith. There's an, there's an unfeigned faith, a, a real faith. And then there's stuff that looks like faith. It seems like it's faith, it, it, but it really isn't. It's fake faith. Now, I don't want fake faith. I want real faith. How about you? And the same thing's true with grace. There's a real grace of God, and that's what I'm interested in. But, but again, if you misdefine sin, and you're not going to talk about sin and call it what it is, then you also have to, in conjunction, redefine grace in order to fit the false teaching on sin. Thus, you get what I would call greasy grace. So let me give you some characteristics here of what greasy grace is. We know the grace of God is his unmerited favor, an undeserved favor. How many of you are glad for his unmerited and undeserved? I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad. But, but now today, just some things about greasy grace, okay? One thing, let us turn to Romans 11, verse 6. Romans 11, verse 6. And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. Because, you see, we said a moment ago that the grace of God cannot be earned. It's free. But greasy grace can be earned with good works. Now, I don't want greasy grace. But see, a greasy grace could be earned with good works. But notice Romans 11.6, New Living Translation. Let's read this. It says, And since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. For in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is. It's really what? Free and undeserved. So any grace that you can earn or work for is not the grace of God. It would be what? It would be what? Are you okay? You getting where I'm going with this? So God's grace cannot be earned. But greasy grace could. Do you understand that? Now, I don't want greasy grace. I want the real thing. An illustration of this is found with Dennis the Menace. As Dennis and his friend Joey were leaving Mrs. Wilson's house, each with a handful of chocolate chip cookies, Joey asked Dennis, I wonder what we did to deserve these wonderful cookies. Dennis explains... It is not because we are nice that we got these cookies, Joey, but it's because Mrs. Wilson is nice. So you see, the grace of God, we don't get God's grace because we're nice. We get God's grace because he's nice. But you see, a greasy grace is something that we could earn or work for. You know, if you look at Romans, the fifth chapter in the first verse, in the New King James Version, it'll be on the screen. The Apostle Paul makes it very clear in Romans 5 verse 1. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. How do you get into the grace of God, the real thing, through faith and faith alone? But you know, if you can add anything to your faith to get into the grace of God, it's not the grace of God, it's greasy grace. And you know, people do this all the time. Christians do this all the time. I bet you've done what I'm talking about right now because I've done, done it and not even realized it. How many of you really think that your good works 
could help you get into heaven just a little bit. Just a little bit. Your good works could help you get into heaven just a little bit. See, if you think of that, you're not in line with the word of God. You on your best day and me put together times a million, we can't get into heaven. Did you hear what I just said? But if you're like me, well, if I'm, if I'm good, if I, if I, you know, I'm going to help God out. I'm going to help my faith out. No, you can, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before him. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't live holy. You're, you're going to see in the rest of this message that we should. But you need to understand our salvation doesn't come by our good works at all. Not even the littlest, tiniest bit. We're saved apart from works whatsoever. It's all totally and completely by his grace. Can, can anybody say amen? amen? So if you take faith plus anything else, you don't have God's grace, you have greasy grace. See, faith and faith alone, believing in Jesus and that alone, taps into the real grace of God. But if you take your faith and add anything to it, okay, I believe on Jesus and I've been water baptized. Now, does that get you to grace or does that get you to greasy grace? Greasy grace. Now, I'm all for water baptism, but water baptism doesn't save you. Water doesn't wash away sins. Only the blood of Jesus does. See, this is a problem that they had in the churches of Galatia. They had, they had faith in Jesus, and then as time went on, the, the, some religious people came in, and they got to thinking, well, we need to have faith in Jesus, plus we need to go back and be circumcised. And Paul said, no, 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 why? He said, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? He said, you know, I'm putting this in my own words. He said, you had faith in Jesus, and now you want to go, and you tapped into the real grace of God, and now you want to go back and say it's faith in Jesus plus something else? See, faith in Jesus plus anything else doesn't get you the grace of God. It gets you greasy grace. But what gets you the grace of God? Faith in Jesus and that faith alone, period, apart from anything else. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay, you okay? Yes. Now, having said that, let me say something else. Greasy grace, here's another point. Greasy grace is accessed without truly repenting of sins. Greasy grace is accessed without true godly sorrow and repentance. Notice 1 John 1 and 9. Let's go there in the New King James Version. It'll be on the screen. 1 John 1 and 9. Notice what the Bible says. If we confess our sins... He, talking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is that what the Bible said? Yeah. Okay. Now, when we do that, we tap into the grace of God. But here's what I've heard people say. And, and, and frankly, when I was younger, there was a time or two I did this myself. I knew that what, there was something that I wanted to do. I knew it was wrong. But you know what? I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway, and then tonight before I go to bed, I'll just 1 John 1, 9 it. You know what I mean by that? I'll just, uh, I'll go ahead and commit the sin here, and then tonight before I go to bed, I'll just ask God to forgive me. And then the next day, full well knowing, I'm going to probably do that same thing again. That's the thing that's wrong. And I'll just 1 John 1, 9 it before I go to bed tonight. 
Do you know when you do that, you're not operating in the grace of God, you're operating with, with what? Greasy grace. That's greasy grace. And do you know what? That's not the grace of God and you're, you're on dangerous ground and so was I when I was doing that. Did you hear what I just said? Because when you have that attitude, there's not any true sorrow or repentance. It's just, well, I've got this thing I'm practicing in my life and it's wrong and I, and I know I shouldn't be doing it, but now eh, I'll just first John 1, 9 it before I go to bed tonight. That's not the grace of God there. That's greasy grace. And I want to caution you of that. Now, if you do something wrong and you confess it, you know, to God, will he forgive you? Yes, but if, you, if you're going to just keep doing that over and over and over, and I know God is merciful and, 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 and all of that, certainly he is. But if you're just, if you see what you're doing there, you're just playing with grace and it's really not grace that you're operating in, it's, you're operating in, in greasy grace. You're entertaining sin. I'll be here today to tell you that, you know, if you miss it somewhere and you can, you, you know, when you, go to, when you go to God to confess sin, the only time the grace of God is available to you there is if you're doing it with a truly sorry heart. Did you get what I just said? I want to say that again because you really need to grab a hold of what I'm saying here. If you do something wrong, the only way that you're going to be able to get into the grace of God and be forgiven is before you confess that sin, you're going to have to really be sorry for what you did. And if you're really sorry for what you did, you're going to have no intention of ever messing up again. Now, what if you do mess up? Well, isn't God good? He'll forgive you. But do you understand I'm talking about a hard attitude here? Are you all okay? You all with me? You all okay? And you see, greasy grace allows you to play with sin. But the real grace of God does not. Do you know why Christians play with sin? Do you know why they do? Because judgment is not immediate. If I went over to that light socket right there and I stood in a bucket of water and I stuck my finger in there, would that be immediate? And if I lived, do you think I'd ever do it again? No. See, under the law, man, judgment was swift and it was quick. Now, we're under grace. Judgment, do you know the judgment of God, if we don't repent, it will come. But you see, that's why sin is so deceptive. It's because when we sin, the judgment of God doesn't always, usually it doesn't always come immediately. But the wages of sin is what? Eventually it will. And see, that's one of the reasons sin is so deceptive because you can, you can play with it for so long and it looks like you're getting away with it. <clears throat> But while you're playing with it, you think you're under the grace of God. You're not. You're under the, what I call, greasy grace. Did you hear what I just said? But eventually, it'll catch up with you. Well, I don't want greasy grace. I want the real grace. How about you? See, greasy grace allows one to continue sinning. Go to Romans 5 and 20. Go to Romans 5 and 20, New King James Version. Greasy grace allows one to continue sinning. Now, the grace of God does not. The real thing does not. But greasy grace will allow one to continue sinning. And this, this was a criticism made against Paul, the apostle, for his teaching on the subject of grace. Notice in Romans 5, 20, he says, Moreover, the law entered 
that the offense might abound or, or God gave the law so that sin would abound or so that we could see what sin was. And then Paul says, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Now, how many of you are thankful for that? I, I am. And what Paul was simply saying here is that as bad as sin is, God's grace is greater. And I'm so thankful that it is. But Paul's critics came in and said this. They said this. They said that Paul is saying that, hey, if you want to experience great grace, then just sin real big. Now, you know, that's not what Paul was saying. Paul was saying about the grace of God, he was saying that as bad as sin is, and as great and horrible as it is, God's grace is greater. But his critics came in, twisted that, and said, Paul is saying, hey, Christian, just go out, sin it up, because the more you sin, the greater God's grace will be. But that's not what Paul was saying. Look at chapter 6, verse 1, Romans 6, verse 1. Paul answers his critics, and he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then verse 2, he gives us the answer. He says what? Certainly not. Real loud say, certainly not. Certainly not. not. See, God's grace gives us the power and ability to stop sinning. God's grace is his power and ability to stop sinning. But what greasy grace allows us to do is it allows us to go right on sinning. It allows us to, well, I'll just go ahead and sin, and then tonight I'll just First John 1, 9 it. I'll just go ahead and continue to talk bad about people or to do this, that, or the other, whatever it is, and I'll just First John 1, 9 it tonight. See, that's not the grace of God. That is greasy grace. You understand that? See, the grace of God empowers us to stop sinning, Greasy grace gives one a license to sin. Look at Jude chapter 1 verse 4. And this is going to be in the NIV. It'll be on the screen. Now there's only one chapter there. So it's verse 4. Jude, only one chapter, verse 4, NIV. And look, it's already on the screen. Notice what Jude said here he, uh, about grace. He said, for certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men, watch this, who change, see this really backs up what I'm saying here today, who change the what? The grace of our God into a license for immorality. You see that? Talking about spiritual leaders, pastors, ministers, who change the grace of our God. See, that's what I'm talking about today. There's the grace of God, but it can be perverted and if things aren't taught right and you don't understand some things about it, it can be changed into greasy grace. And we don't want that. He said they are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality, into a license for sin and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. I want to read this in the New Living Translation, only I want to jump up to verse 3 here. Let's read this in the New Living Translation, and we're going to read verse 4 again, but I want to read verse 3 with you to start. Dear friends, now this is Jude writing. He says, Dear friends... I had been eagerly planning to write to you about the salvation we all share. 
But now I find that I must write about something else. He didn't really want to write about this. He didn't really want to talk about this. I don't really want to have to preach this kind of a message, but to protect you, I feel it necessary. But now I find that I must write about something else, urging you to defend the faith that God has entrusted once for all time to his holy people. Next verse, please. He said, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. See, friends, God's grace does not allow us to live immoral lives. God's grace empowers us to live lives free of sin. Can anybody say praise the Lord? You see... Greasy grace will welcome people to church but put no emphasis on the importance of holy living. Greasy grace says we want everyone who comes here to feel not only welcome but comfortable as well even though they are practicing a sinful lifestyle. Did you get what I just said there? See, the the grace of God which I try my best to operate in, I want everybody to feel welcome at Summit Church. You understand that? But I don't want anybody, I want them all to feel welcome. Real loud, say welcome. Welcome. I want everybody, sinner and saint alike, to feel welcome when they come here. That's the grace of God. But the grace of God also says, I want you to feel welcome, but I don't want you to feel comfortable if you're practicing a sinful lifestyle. The preaching and teaching from the pulpit should, I'm not saying put you in condemnation and beat you up, but it should be like that mirror where we're showing, you know, the spaghetti stain on the face or the, you know, should be showing you, hey, you know, God loves you, but hey, there's some things in your life that aren't right. You need to, you need to run to Jesus and get them squared away. See, so, so the grace of God wants everybody welcome, but nobody's comfortable who's practicing sin. Did you get what I just said? Greasy grace says we want everybody welcome and we want everybody comfortable under all circumstances, no matter what. We just want you to have a good day today. Well, I want you to have a good day today too, but if you're practicing something that's going to kill you, I have a God-given mandate to point that out to you so you can square it up. Did you hear what I just said? How many of you, if there was a bucket of water standing over by that that light socket and you went over there and you were going to get ready to stick your finger in there and you're standing in a bucket of water, if I stood here and said, I just want you to have a good day today... And didn't point out that, hey, you stick your finger in there, it's going to zap you and kill you. Now, which is really true, true love? The person that's just flowery or the person that says, hey, you stick your finger in there, it's going to zap you and probably kill you. Now, now which one do you want? Guys, that's what's going on today, I'm just telling you. It's, it's as bad as I've ever seen it in this, in this nation. 
I want to see the grace of God wants everybody welcomed, but nobody comfortable if they're practicing sin. Greasy grace says, y'all come and just, want you just let's just have, have a good experience. That's greasy grace, friends. Notice Titus 2.11. Notice Titus 2.11. Are you getting anything out of this today? I hope you are. Titus 2.11, New Living Translation. For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed... Now, what does the grace of God instruct us to do? Verse 12. We are instructed to what? Turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. Now, is that what the Bible said do? Is that what the grace of God says do? But see, greasy grace does not put that mandate out there. Greasy grace says, hey, you know, you're welcome. Let's be comfortable. You know, the sky is blue. The grass is green. Everything's lovely on the scene. That's what Greasy Grace says. Greasy, listen to this one here. Greasy Grace, now somebody would say, wait a minute, wait, did you just say that holy living can save us? No, I didn't say that. Holy living is not the root of your salvation, it's the fruit of it. What's the root of our salvation? The root of our salvation is faith in Jesus. The root of our salvation is Jesus. The root of our salvation is apart from works, faith in Jesus. That's the root. What's the fruit? A holy lifestyle. That's what the grace of God is. Greasy grace, well, you know, okay, you know, just want everybody to be comfortable. Listen to this. Greasy grace, now listen to this closely. I'm almost finished, but listen to this. Greasy grace allows the spirit of the world to be comfortable and prevalent in the church. Greasy grace allows the spirit of the world to be comfortable and prevalent in the church. If you walk into a church, I've said this before, the Holy Spirit has me saying it again, I, you know, I... Sometimes sound like a broken record, but I just say what he wants me to say. If you walk into a church and you wonder, did I walk into a church or did I walk into a nightclub? That church doesn't have the grace of God. They've got greasy grace. Did you hear what I just said? If you walk into a church and you say, you know, did I come into the house of God or did I come into a bowling alley? Did I come into a nightclub? Did I, you know... Did I come into American Idol concert? That church doesn't have the grace of God. It has what? Greasy grace. Spirit of the world. I want to say this again. Either the world will get in the church or the church will get in the world. Either, either, the, world, the, the world, either the church will affect the world around it or the world will get into the church. Did you hear what I just said? Greasy grace is all-inclusive. Doesn't want to leave anybody out. Look at Romans 12, uh, look at Re- Revelation 22.15. Revelation 22.15. Now, I hope you realize why I stand here and preach like this, because I love you and I care about your soul. 
Greasy grace is all-inclusive. Look at Revelation twenty-two fifteen. See, greasy grace says would just include everybody. Notice what the Bible says, but, but what? What's that next word, but? So in the king, this is talking about the kingdom of God in eternity. Outside are dogs. That just means those that don't have a covenant with God. And sorcerers and what? Sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices a what? A lie. The grace of God ultimately doesn't include everyone. Now, the grace of God is available to everybody, but it's only available to those who are going to take sin seriously and say, I can't play with this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm tired of living this way. I'm, I'm done with it. And they turn, they repent, they turn in their hearts, they have a change of mind, they turn from the sin, they run to Jesus, they have faith in him, apart from any good works or good deeds, they tap into the grace of God, they get washed in the blood, they get empowered to live a holy life, and they do everything they can within that grace to live a holy life. That's who's included in the grace of God. People that just want to continue to tamper with sin and play with sin and see how close they can... A lot of, a lot of Christians, they want to see how far away they can live from God and, and still be included. I tell you what, I don't want to see how far I can get away from God and still be included. I want to live close to Him. How about you? But see, that's greasy grace. How far can I get away from God? How much sin can I play with? How much you know, immorality can I fool around with and still be, and still be saved? No, no, that's, that, you, know, you need to realize the grace of God is available to everyone, but ultimately the grace of God doesn't include everyone. The grace of God includes everybody who'll take sin serious and run to Jesus with a repentant heart. Can you say amen to that? In closing here, I just want to say a couple of things. I heard a pastor of one of the largest churches in the United States kidding and joking with his congregation about telling lies. He said that he still lied from time to time and knew they all still lied from time to time and was glad they were all under God's grace. I propose... The grace he was talking about was not God's grace, but rather greasy grace. Let me tell you something. The grace of God will under no circumstances joke about sin. Did you hear what I said? There's nothing funny about it. There's nothing funny about telling a little white lie. There's nothing funny about cheating. There's nothing funny about stealing. There's nothing funny about taking the name of the Lord in vain. There's nothing funny about dishonoring your parents. There's nothing funny about sin. Can you say amen? There's there's no place for joking about it. It's a serious subject. And it'll kill you if you play with it long enough. And I refuse to joke about it. He went on, and again, I'm not being judgmental of the man. I, I would not, wouldn't even call his name. But he went on to say to his congregation, just quoting what the man said. He said, yeah, you all are a bunch of drunk strippers, prostitutes, and homosexuals. I'm glad there's a church in this city for you all. Well, you know what? I have a church for them too. I have a church where they're welcome, but they're not going to be comfortable 
Did you hear what I just said? I said, I have a church for them too. But I have a church that's going to love them and accept them and, and, and love on them and, and, and accept them just as they are, but not going to leave them that way. Did you get what I just said? See, Christians that do not, let me put it, Christians that enjoy the world. You know what I mean when I say the world? What's in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life. Christians that enjoy that stuff typically don't last here at this church very long. Christians that enjoy gossip and backbiting and, and, and a, a party spirit. Now, you know, I like having a good party. I said, I like having a good party. Now, you ain't been to a party. That's not good English, but you'll get what I'm saying. You ain't been to a party till you've been to a party that God's put on. See, a lot of these young kids today, they haven't seen the kind of party that God throws. Uh, I tell you what, you get into a party that God throws and the power of God starts flowing, you'll get to dancing, but I tell you what, it won't be disco dancing, it'll be dancing in the spirit. I mean, remember when that prodigal son repented and he came back home? Remember that? And they threw a party. Didn't the father throw a party? And they were dancing so, so, they were dancing so hard you could hear them outside. But you see, these young kids today, they think... They, they think a lot of this stuff is, is this party stuff. Now, I tell you, you had, look, God is, he is not an old fuddy-duddy. Somebody say amen. He's all for having fun. He's all, he's all for it. My goodness, he's all for it. Did you hear what I just said? But you know what I'm talking about? This party spirit of the, of the world, this revelry, this, this drunkenness, this, you know, all this stuff. Let me tell you what. God's not for that. Do you know why he's not for that? Because it will ultimately, the pleasure of sin is for a what? A season and ultimately what will it do? It will kill you. Did you hear me? But I tell you what, you can run with God and you can have more fun than you could ever have with what the world has to offer and in the morning, you're not gonna be hung over. Isn't that wonderful? In the morning, you're not gonna be hugging the porcelain throwing up. Is that right? Come on now. Now, I've never been drunk, but I've talked to some people who have, and they, <laughs> and they say the next the morning after is not a lot of fun. We're living in some serious times now. And people that enjoy that party spirit, that revelry spirit, that, that you know, that, that or a gossipy or a, or a click, you know, people that like clicks don't last around here very long. You know why? Because God doesn't like clicks. Did you hear what I just said? People that, that try to work their way up some kind of a ladder to have some importance in the church, they don't last very long around here. Why? Because we treat everybody, we do endeavor to treat everybody equally. See, I'm not interested in greasy grace. I'm interested in the real grace. How about you? And I have a church for strippers and prostitutes and homosexuals. This church is here for them. But here's the thing. Greasy grace accepts them in and leaves them like they are. The grace of God accepts them in and lovingly shares the word of God with them so that they change and come out of that. Can you say amen? He went on, I'm, I'm, I'll close with this. He went on to say, I know you all still nip, dip, and snort. 
I'm glad you all are under the grace of God. I believe he was talking not about the grace of God, but rather about greasy grace. Listen, greasy grace leaves sinners as they are, nipping, dipping, and snorting. But God's... But God's grace, listen to me now, this is powerful. Greasy grace leaves sinners as they are, nipping, dipping, and snorting. But God's grace, when accessed by faith, says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Can you say amen? Now stand with me if you would, and I want them to put 1 Corinthians 6, 9 on the screen, and we're going we're gonna to read this here as we close. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, New King James. Notice what it says here on the screen. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Next verse. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Leave that on the screen and say this. And such were some of, some of us. One more time. And such were some of us. One more time. And such were some of us. Let's say this. Say, but I've been washed. I've been sanctified. I've been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. In Jesus' name, say, Heavenly Father, we want your grace. We're not interested in greasy grace. We want your grace, the grace of Almighty God, your unmerited favor, your undeserved favor, And we'll serve you seriously, sir. We endeavor to never tamper with sin. But walk holy with you and continue in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never experienced the grace of God, through Jesus, when we dismiss, come up front. There'll be some men and women up here that'll pray with you and introduce you to Jesus. I trust that you heard what the Spirit of God was saying over the last week and this week. Contrary to what some people think, this is not a fun thing for me to do to have to preach on this stuff. It's like Jude said, I wanted to talk about some other things, but I found it necessary to talk about this. I had some other things to preach that I would have rather preached. But this is what the Spirit of God wanted. This, I have a responsibility as a pastor to protect those that God has entrusted.